Welcome to another episode of Alika Hope and Change. I'm Alika Hope. And I am Change, her brother, Emil. Today, we are going to be talking about vacations we have never taken. But I'm so excited for this because <laughs> I have been around the world, literally, and yes, have. I have to figure out where I want to go. I think my sister knew that I was thinking, especially in this time when I have been travel averse, right? Like yes. it's time to get out of the house. So I'm already imagining where am I going as soon as I'm let out of this beautiful gilded cage. <gasps> Do you know where you're going to? Okay, so before we go to that, we need to flip it up, rewind back to our last episode where we were promising you listeners that we were going to try a couple of interesting hobbies. And uh, how'd that go for you, E? So I'm going to go back to some classic hip hop from the mm-hmm. 90s. Okay. Uh, and that would be Craig Mack <laughs> and Brand New Flavor in Year. Mm. And I tried a brand new flavor. Uh, I got a hold of some fresh peppers. And, you know, a lot of people, they do their hot sauce. I took these peppers. I blended them all together with some olive oil, some vinegar, uh, some lemon and lime. And I came up with this pepper sauce that was off the yard. It was super concentrated. Like, it was the kind of hot that you go, I shouldn't eat this, but (laughs) it was so good. I was like, OMG, I can't stop. So now I have this beautiful dilemma. You you know how our father sweats when he eats hot sauce? Oh, he... Y'all can't even like picture it. It's not just sweat like a little drops. It's like he ran a marathon when he eats spicy food and he loves spicy food. So yes, I know that well. I if I have an inherited said trait and wow. I'm here to tell you that I was sweating profusely and I couldn't stop. It was delish. So forget the sauna if you're in our family. You can just sweat by eating a bunch of hot peppers. It, hot it's stuff. true. It, we, we, we do it right. But- I made my hot sauce. Did you pick a loxus? I sure did. And I actually had my son take a couple photos. And um, we're going to upload them to the new and expanding website for Alika Hope and Change. But I sure did. I got one of those um, lock picking kits and it even had this like clear see-through padlock. And it had instructions teaching you how to you know, do the chambers um, so that you could slowly see how you're picking the lock. And, I, you know, in the movies, they make it look so easy, right? Like right. the Catwoman goes to the door and she's just like, ah, ah, ah. okay, I was so stumped. And then my 10-year-old was stumped. And if you know my 10-year-old, he can figure out anything. And he <laughs> he was very frustrated as well. Um, but it was fun. I'm going to keep doing it. I mean, I you know, I just started. But I did feel kind of empowered, like, if I can pick this lock, I can get through anything. So that was good. So the beginning of your spy career has, Mm -hmm. um, you've initiated it very Mm -hmm. innocuously. Here we are telling the world that you are preparing to be a spy. Those of you who are looking for a covert operative, she's hiding in plain sight. Or in this case, hiding in plain podcast. Well, I have to tell you, E, though, uh, when I was younger, I did want to be a spy, like in the CIA. 
uh, and I thought about the FBI, but I'm not somebody that you, uh, how do I say this nicely? Uh, I'm not someone that you'd want to give a gun to because I'm a little bit of a klutz. So that kind of, you know, took that option away. Although I did have the brains to be kind of like the spy person in the background, you know, giving intelligence information. But then I was once told by a friend of mine who did a lot of undercover work that I stand out too much to be a spy. So he looks like an everyday average guy and he does undercover really well. And he's like, you're a five foot, 10 and a half biracial girl with some really long curly hair. I don't know. You know, people are going to notice you. (laughs) So So, I don't know, you know, about my spy career. Um, You know, I used to imagine myself being James Bond, but then um, (laughs) I'm six foot four and dark skin. So I'm like, I could, I could spy in Jamaica, uh, certain parts of Sub-Saharan Africa, maybe (laughs) London. I mean, you know, my, my, my world, uh, you know, yeah. within which I can spy has it got small fast once I got past about six two. So um, it's cool <laughs> that we did this, though, right? I mean, yes. like, our boredness <laughs> turned into some really fascinating stuff. You picked a lock. I I started. A, uh, I tried to make a, a, a. And I'll be honest, I had help, but um, that's okay. The the joy was in getting outside of my comfort zone, and I was really happy that's to right. try. And speaking of getting outside your comfort zone, uh, we thought about today's topic, vacations we have never taken, because both Emil obviously is retired military and just an adventurous human being. And myself, uh, I think both of us have adventurous parents that we've done a lot of travel in our life. And so the challenge for me, I thought was, let's think about places that we have never been as we're still kind of stuck in this, what, 2020 is like the year of kind of travel limbo. And I said, let's kind of fantasize about places that we've never been and maybe some places that are different that the average person wouldn't think of. You know, so, so, yeah. So think about, think about how cool this world is, mm-hmm. like how expansive it is. You have cultures that popped up literally everywhere in every environment on the planet Earth. There's a culture. There are people who have made their permanent home there. And what makes uh, uh, the world such a beautiful place is if you are humble and walk into someone's home with the right spirit, they'll welcome you. And you can actually travel every single type of uh, 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 environment this world has to offer mm-hmm. and find people who live there and will shepherd you through it. So this is not just, you know, going where we've never been, but being amongst people we would have otherwise never considered being among. And I think that part is also just absolutely fascinating that we get to meet the people and be amongst the culture that otherwise is just far off or not even in the in the rate on the radar of what you would imagine ordinarily. That's true. And the internet, you know, you can see a lot of things on YouTube, but it's not just, it's just not the same. And the, you know, feel good chemicals that are released by the human body when you're in relationship with other people, especially when you get to hug other people, which a lot of us are suffering from right now. uh, Just, you know, pale in comparison to sitting on a computer screen and watching videos. And the other thing that's kind of like a palpable, touchable thing is I love trying different foods in different places. And a lot of places that I've traveled to, there's no greater gift than to eat something that somebody has created for you and give to you as a gift. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. Look, one of the joys, um, you know, let's do a little bit of the science behind what you just said, right? Mm -hmm. So when you are amongst people and you feel welcome and you give hugs, you give affection or you receive affection, 
your body releases something called oxytocin, right? That is this correct. Is the yep. bonding, this is a bonding hormone. Yep. And the more our bodies have that, the tighter we want to bond with others. So imagine that, the, you know, we've been in this situation for months now and we haven't had a chance to hug any people that are outside of our immediate vicinity, you know. Mm -hmm. And the, the biggest problem is when we, when I travel, I don't like to travel like a tourist. I like to travel. I want to get on buses and trains and I want to be amongst the people. I'm willing to take that risk. If it's cooked properly, I will eat at the street vendor. I mm -hmm. want the entire experience. And that's where I can get that, you know, when I can, I always feel like I'm part of a culture when I make someone laugh in their language or, or yep. using a, a joke from their, from their, from their land. Mm -hmm. So imagine that we are, are taking time to go someplace in our minds first and then believe it when we finally get released, we are going to do this <laughs> for real right. and bond with people release that oxytocin and have these experiences and these adventures that really bring us closer to our humanity. Yes, yes, and yes. The only thing that I am not in alignment with my brother, and I'm just going to tell y'all right now, is I will take the bus. I, I mingle with everybody. But <clears throat> especially since I became a mom, I'm just going to put it out there. There is nothing like a four- and five-star hotel. I will not stay in the Airbnbs. I do not do hostels or homestays because when I travel, and people know this about me, even travel for business, I'm like, no, this is my break. I don't have to clean nothing. Even if I have to work all day, I will be staying in the hotel with the indoor pool and with the bathrobes provided for me. Uh, <clears throat> so other than that, my brother and I have a lot in common when it comes to travel, <laughs> and you're going to hear more when we return. Thank you. Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. And here we are talking about vacations we have never taken. And E, I have waited so long to say this publicly, but I got to tell you the one place I've wanted to go since I was a kid. Well, it was, yeah, I was a kid. Um, when they opened in 1989 is the Ice Hotel. Ooh, wait a second. Hotel? In Sweden? Yes. I've always wanted to go there, and I still haven't gone there yet. I, You know, there was a James Bond movie, so I was like in like seventh heaven because mm -hmm. I was able to watch a James Bond movie about one of the places I have fantasized going. That that movie was all fantasy, but the <laughs> the ice hotel was all reality. Like I have seen documentaries. I yes. am so there with you, sis. Yes, I mean I can't even. It's like it's like a hotel made out of ice. I was like, what? And then I, you know, at the time because there wasn't the internet when it first came out. I think I must have read about it in National Geographic or Time Magazine or something. And I've been fascinated with it ever since. And um, I do know that now they have like a year round part. And that the ice hotel itself is only open, right, like December through April when it melts. But then they actually, a couple of years ago, built this thing called Ice Hotel 365. And my guess is because they got so many visitors. But I'm all about going to the real ice hotel. I am one. with you. Um, I'm going to, I don't intend to butcher the word of the, the name of the town that it's in. Okay. Yukas Jarvi in Sweden is... Yes on the Tomei River, and I am like so passionate about going there one day. It is just on the bucket list. It is one of those places where you just look at it, and you're just like, no way. No way. Way? Yeah. So we're, we're, we're there, sis. We are okay. so there. We have to figure out how to get there and then actually do a podcast episode from there. 
uh, maybe in 2021, 2022, it's on. So I'm just doing a shout out to our listeners in Sweden that we want to go visit the Ice Hotel. What about you, E? What's a place that you've always wanted to go, but it's a vacation you've never taken yet? Well, I'm going to stay in the cold theme because um, for some reason I am drawn to Antarctica, right? Yes. I have this passion to get to the most, the southernmost continent. And this is the part that really fascinates me. Mm -hmm. It's like the land that time forgot. Right. Mm. They do these they do great science down there. They take these ice cores. It's captured so much of Earth's history in the ice over over the last, you know, millions of years. And it just sits there with nothing but ice. And it's this beautiful, primal, pristine part of the world that has not been really populated or touched. I know there are scientific um, places down there. Uh, scientific expeditions and people will, you know, visit there. But I used to work with, uh, in the Air Force, there's a unit out of New York in Schenectady, New York, Uh who fly down there regularly. And I always wanted to hitch a ride. So, so I got to get to Antarctica. Nice. I just Googled while you were talking, just to look up something about Antarctica. And I want you to know that according to the demographics of Antarctica, at least 11 children have been born in Antarctica. And you know what the first one's name was? Emil Leo. Is oh, my. Oh, my gosh. And your middle name is Marcus. Hold the presses. I, y- y'all have to know, I just did this on the fly. He had no idea. But the first child born on Antarctica in 1978, check this out. So my brother's name is Emil Marcus. And the kid's name was Emilio Marcos. That is my name in Spanish. Okay. That this, is... The, I'm in shock right now. I don't even know what to say. I'm like, what? Seriously, my sister's speechless, which never happens. Those of you who are listening, mark the date on the calendar, okay? Um, Jamie, our engineer, go ahead and put this on your your computer. Just say, the date Alika fell silent. It will never happen again. And I'm like, totally there. I'm like, wait a second. The kid's name is my name? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm stamping. I'm stamping that place with my presence just for that reason alone. I got to Okay. Okay, y'all. We got to we got to we got to dive into this because you're hearing this on this podcast episode, this non-preplanned, what do we call it? Spontaneous uh information and I'm like I am talking, but if you could only see me right now, I'm blushing and I'm sweaty because what are the odds of my brother's dream place being Antarctica and the first person ever born there was named? Let's give you a little bit about him. So he was named Emilio Marcos Palma. And he was born the 7th of January in 1978. He is from Argentina. Mm-hmm. And he was born on the Esperanza base near the tip of the Antarctic Peninsula and weighed seven pounds, eight ounces. That is amazing. Uh, yes. Absolutely none of those ma- match my, my demographic <laughs> except the name. Literally none of that is even Wait. close. I was born in 1970, and I was way heavier Would than you he was. Would you work with me, please? We and know that. Yeah, none of that. I was born in a hospital in Portland, Oregon. So okay, but the okay. but the <clears throat> fact that the name is there, oh, that is enough. And he is featured in the Guinness Book of World Records as the first person in history known to be born on the continent. And you know. As a nerd, as my fellow nerd, my brother's my fellow nerd, I'm wondering like if we did like a mathematical computation of the permutations of the chance of an Emilio Marco, which is Emil, Emil Marcus in Spanish, 
being born on the favorite continent of Emil Marcus, like what are the odds? I mean, that name combination, it's not just Emil, which is unique enough, but it's Emil Marcus. That just, that blows my wig back. This kid Good. is now like 42 years old and yes. uh, he is Argentine and, and he, he and I share a name. I'm like, he, he's way more famous than he knows. Because he shares my name since I was first, right? Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and, and this, uh-huh. you know what? Emilio Marco, if you can hear me, if you're in Argentina and you stumble across this podcast, please know Hook that we up. are brothers, <laughs> that we share a very special bond because we share a name and we share a passion for our, uh, Antarctica. I will meet you one day, and when I do, we'll shake hands, take a selfie, and tell the world about this particular moment. What a faint, what a fantastic, what a fantastic moment. And I, I just want to add to that and, and think even larger. Um, Emilio, if you're out there, please hook up your, your uh, co-name bearer, uh, Emil, uh, with a trip to Antarctica, or, or let him know how he can go to Antarctica. Because I think that, you know, that connection that you have should not be taken advantage, I mean, should be taken advantage of, excuse me, Absolutely. should not be underappreciated. That is it. Okay, sis. So we've been cold. Yes. Give me another one. Give me a place where you want to mm. go where it like just off the beaten path. Oh, off the beaten path. Okay. All right. The Sky Lodge Hotel in Peru. So the Sky Lodge Hotel is like these, um, how do you describe them? They're like these clear pods and they're like hooked up on the side of a mountain and they're a certain like, level up on the rock and you, you, so you hike up to them and it has just enough like a bed inside these pods for two people and they're totally clear and you climb up from like this cliff and you spend the night in this capsule and you can see, you know, obviously everything around um, and there is like a little bathroom in it, although it's totally clear. So I'm not sure how that works, but I know there's like a, some curtains and stuff in there, um, but it's just amazing. It's like you, you could probably Google it. Um, who exactly is spying on you when you were hanging off the side of a mountain? I don't know, but I lived in New York like, City you know, for I so mean, long. I don't know. I just feel like everyone's watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you live in New York City. Right now. Oh, you are? Okay. I love that we're spontaneous, right? Because I'm looking at, the, I just pulled it up on, on Google and I'm like okay. looking at these pictures and I'm so there with you. I'm like, the, there right? this sheer cliff face. And there's valleys beneath. I am so about this. This is the kind of place where, you know, I may never want to leave. Well, I, I know you say that, except for that you're 6'4", and it looks like your legs may reach the very end of the glass. So you may want to leave because you may need to stretch. But other than that, I could see why you wouldn't want to leave. Oh, seriously, this is just <laughs> the coolest. This is just the coolest thing ever to be hanging off the side of a mountain. You know, let's be real. Yeah. You and I are very adventurous. Uh, yes. We, we're not afraid, if, especially if someone's done it before, if the safety has been already proven. Yes. Like, I'm not worried about safety when someone else has already done it. I won't be the first guy there. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. But I will be the hundredth. Yep. And to me, this is that. Well, when we come back, we can talk about how we've both jumped out of planes. We'll see you guys soon. <laughs> Interlude music by Lawrence V. White. So we're talking.
talking about vacations we have never taken. And we were talking about the Sky Lodge Hotel in Peru. And it's like a, you know, a clear glass pod uh, built onto a mountainside. And it made me think about how Emil and I have both jumped out of planes because that hotel is on a mountain. So do you want to tell our listeners about your experience jumping out of a plane? Yeah. And I'm going to tell you in a very short story, never done it. Oh, even though you were in the Air Force. Never done it. I I was in the Air Force. (laughs) I went to the Air Force Academy and one of the optional, listen to the word, optional classes at the Air Force Academy was to learn how to either free fall or free fall parachute, which means jump out of an airplane with nothing but you and your parachute. Or you could go to uh, spend time with the Army and learn how to be uh, like an airborne paratrooper and jump out with what's called a static line, which releases the parachute as soon as you jump out of the airplane. Okay. I did neither. I have this thing <laughs> about jumping out of a perfectly working airplane, and that uh-huh. is don't do it. Okay. And as an aircraft maintainer, mm-hmm. those of my uh, old, old troops who are listening, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Please understand that I trust you implicitly, and I know how high quality your work is. Therefore, I have no reason to leave a perfectly working aircraft <laughs> ever. Okay. Fine. I got you. Okay. Just because you were in the Air Force and went to the Air Force Academy and didn't jump out of a plane. And I went to a very nice school in the Midwest and then to an Ivy League school for graduate school and did jump out of a plane, uh, which is just like, as you were talking, I was like, I'm like the least uh, military kind of person that, you know, you could think of. And here I am jumping out of planes. And here's my brother who's like retired lieutenant colonel, never jumped out of one. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. It means one of us knows how airplanes work and appreciates the engineering <laughs> behind them. And the other is willing to challenge gravity. That's what it means. Okay. So uh, just briefly, for those of you who aren't that familiar with me and my life experiences. So I host a television show uh, and one of the episodes was featuring a facility where uh, people jump out of airplanes. And it's actually like one of the, I think it's one of the top 10 rated in the country. It's on some list. So it's extremely safe. It's run by ex-military and it's very, very safe. And I was not going to do it. My producer said, we'll give you a choice. We can kind of like do camera trickery. So it looks like, you know, you fly up to the 12,000 feet or whatever it was, and it looks like you're jumping, but you won't be, or you can jump. And I'd like all of you listening to know that the person that I called, the only person I called, not even my parents, my, my boyfriend, my kids, no one knew that I was offered this opportunity. The only person I called is who? Oh, um, who did I call E? What was that? You called your older brother. Yeah. And not, not our oldest older brother, but my middle older brother, the one that's, that's on right. here with me. Mm-hmm. And he basically, uh, mm, he didn't encourage me, but he did not discourage me. And he told me how safe it was. And we did look at the data. It's, it's extremely safe, statistically speaking, even though it's nuts. But yes, I did jump out of a plane and I did it on television. And I will say, though, that I did have the qualification, the, the, the way that I was willing to do it was I insisted that the person that I para-jumped with and then the cameraman and someone else, that they had to all be ex-military. So when I jumped out of the plane, it was like there was this ring of three men around me, one of whom was holding the camera, and then the guy that I was strapped to. So I kind of almost never felt so safe in my life, which is odd, isn't it, to it's say It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, when you called me, and I remember this, um, when you called me, I said, sis, 
I have many, 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 many friends who have jumped out of airplanes literally hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. And they were exceptionally safe and were very, very um, qualified for what they did. And I know the reputation of the parachuting community because of it. Um, at the Air Force Academy, we have a team that competes. Uh, they're called the Wings of Blue. They're fantastic mm. parachutists. And uh, the Wings of Blue showed me just how safe it could be. So I knew you were in good hands. I wanted you to know you were in good hands. And you found out. And now here you are talking about it. These adventures of going places and doing things that we've never done before, never been before, mm -hmm. is part of how we break the cycle of monotony in our lives. Yes. Right? It's yes. so easy to go from where we are to work, to school, mm -hmm. back home. And then, you know, we'll take some vacation somewhere, but the vacation is down a well-trod path. It's right. through the airport to some, you know, um, destination that has other people at it. So right. giving ourselves a chance to break out of the mental four walls, mm -hmm. giving ourselves a chance to get out of the spiritual sort of valley that we stay in all the time and really push our imagination outside of its comfort zone gives us a chance to really start to to live first, you know, as, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. Yes. You know, as a woman thinks, so she is. So mm -hmm. if we can get ourselves to start thinking broader than the normal, yep. then we can start to have adventures. And the first place we should have adventures is in the mind. Ooh, adventures in the mind. You know, that might really become a lot more popular if people have to start staying home more. Um, they may start having more adventures in their mind because as you were talking about like going from home to school to work, I was like, listen, some people's homeschool and work right now is in is in one four-walled wow. space. Yes. And so sometimes the adventures in your mind is the only adventure you can take. Um, but I, I did want to mention one last place that uh, when I was researching this podcast, it's something I'd never heard of, and I was just interested in it, and it kind of reminds me of uh, the everyday worker, and that is the Monument to the Unknown Bureaucrat, <laughs> which is a statue Get in Iceland. Out of here. <laughs> you know how they have the monuments Go to away. the... <laughs> no, to like the tomb of the unknown soldier and a lot of countries have monuments to unknown soldiers go and, away no you no, gotta i am not listening to this the, the <laughs> monument to the unknown bureaucrat say that again yes say okay. that again so it's called the monument to the unknown bureaucrat and it's in iceland and it was commissioned in uh, 1994 and it's like this man and there's this huge rock covering the top half of his body so all you see is this giant rock with like a man's body carrying a briefcase underneath it the unknown bureaucrat i just want to go see that i mean i just want to go to iceland just to see that and just laugh you know i Okay, so this is why this show is so awesome because <laughs> my sister slaps him upside the head with the monument to the. So I'm looking this up right now, and yep. she's she's being gentle in her description. I mean, it is literally a block of granite <laughs> on top of a half a man's body. And the <laughs> bottom half is what you would see someone a suit, a briefcase. The man looks like he's maybe taking a step mm -hmm. or waiting for a bus. And the top half is as raw a piece of granite yes. as one could see. And I'm thinking to myself, yes, I'm going to Iceland. I'm going to see the monument to the unknown bureaucrat. I'm right? taking a picture right next to it. And I'm going to ask the hard question, why did they do this to this man? 
Well, I think, I mean, this is a whole other episode that maybe we should think about because, you know, you and I like to go deep and I'm just thinking on a deep level. It's so true. You know, sometimes people get caught up in their nine to five, eight to four, whatever it is that they work. uh, And they feel like their mind is just a block of stone, right? Go to work, do your job, come home, go to work, do your job, come home. And, you know, back in the day, we'd say pushing papers. Uh, I guess now it's like pushing your mouse around and clicking on your keyboard. But see, you see why it was like so interesting. I want to go see it, right? Absolutely. I am so with you. The The thing that I I know, you know, we make fun of the DMV and places like that. But mm-hmm. let's be very real. You know, there are a lot of thankless jobs in the world. And being a bureaucrat seems like almost mind numbing to some of us. But for mm-hmm. those people who do that work, they do these little tiny things that are just absolutely essential for our modern society. That's right. Yes, it's paperwork. And yes, sometimes you don't want to do the form and triplicate or or read the TPS memo. But Mm -hmm. I tell you, if we just took a moment and said thank you to those people, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe this this monument is a way for the people of Iceland to say to their civil servants, to their bureaucrats, hey, we don't say thank you enough. So here's our way of just reminding ourselves that you have served a valuable uh, and important service to our community. And thank you. And you know what? I'm definitely down for this trip. So along the way to Sweden, we'll stop over in Iceland. We'll stop in Iceland. And I'd like to close this episode with our one joke for today. And here it is. Why did the robot go on vacation, E? Why did the robot go on vacation? Oh, yeah. Why did the robot go on vacation, sis? Tell me, please. Because she needed to recharge her batteries. Oh, dear heavens. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for another episode of Alika Hope and Change. I'm Alika Hope. And I am her brother, Emil, also known as Change. Take care. Bye-bye.